Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. <laughs> hey, Florence Lloyd Hughes. I want more names. I want more to my name. I, I'm not having this double-barrel business all around me. I mean, I'm just Ian right. Welcome to Counterpressed on The Ringer and Spotify. It's the morning after England beat Colombia in the World Cup quarterfinal and made it through to yet another semi-final. Where is the limit for this team? We have to wait and see. Also, Australia, the hosts, under so much pressure, made it through against France in the longest penalty shootout in World Cup history, men's or women's. We have so much to talk about today's show. I'm going to be joined by Ian Wright and Jesse Park Humphreys. So, Without further ado, let's get cracking. This episode is brought to you by Rakuten. Are you ready to shop? Rakuten's Big Give Week is back. Get 15% cash back at hundreds of stores, including headliners, Ulta, Ray-Ban, and Canon. Rakuten is how in-the-know shoppers get the best savings. They shop the brands they love and earn cash back on top of deals during Big Give Week, May 6th to May 13th. The cash back rates are even bigger. I'll be shopping for Adidas and Fenty. You can save on everything you need for summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. Join today for free and get an extra 10% cash back boost. That's an extra 10% cash back on top of Big Give Week's 15% cash back. You won't see higher cashback rates than these. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app. R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. England are through to a World Cup semi-final again. I'm joined by Jesse Parker Humphreys and Ian Wright. Guys, how are we feeling after a big night in Sydney? I mean, I feel like the whole of yesterday just felt like a crazy blur. Like to go from the Matildas penalties into the game, I was so anxious before the game had even kicked off because I'd taken on all this tension about how much I wanted Australia to win. And then you go into this like cauldron of a stadium, so many Columbia fans like who've been the best fans of the tournament for me. Um, it felt really like the atmosphere, I thought, felt incredible. Um, and then... To see the girls pull off that win, like, obviously I think you go throughout a tournament and you feel like each win gets more and more impressive, but I feel like they've just, they've been through so much to come from a goal down and actually to make it look like, in the end, relatively comfortable to see players reach a level we've not seen them reach yet in this tournament just felt like, felt like building somewhere good. But I said that after China, so I hope that's true. <laughs> no, I, I think I, I go with that as well, Jess, with the with the start of the game, because we was watching it on a little monitor, um, the Australian penalties. But the thing what was happening was is that it was we was getting it maybe five, three, four seconds before the penalty went in. So we knew whether it was a goal or a miss. 
So it was even more exciting because like you, you heard the sound and then everybody, you heard the sound of everybody cheering. And then when you didn't hear a sound of everybody cheering, they either scored or if France missed. And it kind of like set that game up for the atmosphere because everybody was really happy because there's obviously a lot of Australians in there as well. But I go along with what you said there, Jess, about the way we've kind of kept it going. We've adapted to different teams. When I looked at chances and the chances we made, especially the first half, flow, it was like, we're, we're doing all right. But so when they scored, I was really, really, I was really disappointed. It felt a bit like when we scored in the final against Italy. Um, when, when, when we scored first, I didn't feel great. But when they scored, I thought, that's just a shit goal. It felt like a really shit goal for what we were doing. But I, I wasn't panicking at that stage because I thought we were we were doing okay against them. They didn't feel like they were punching us too many times. Yeah, I, I honestly, I feel like that was England's best performance of the tournament by far because it was the first, not the first one, they've all been savvy, but it was total, it was a performance of European champions where you get, everything right you don't panic they we know go we knew going into this that on paper England are the better team they have more quality Colombia have extremely good technical players who can finish from anywhere in the box but England limited them to to so few chances that they backed themselves to create enough and finish enough and the fact that they did that didn't panic at all came from a goal down Probably, I want to say the first time they've done that, Jesse, since the Spain game, realistically, um, I think just shows the growth that this team has had in the last two years under Srini Bigman. And like that is that is no mean feat in a, in a tournament where lots of favourites are being knocked out to come back. And Alyssa Russo, especially to have the finishing that oh, she did when oh, yeah. she, you know, she struggled in the last year. I think it was, for me, it was a, it was a complete performance. And I thought that's why I was so impressed. Can I say, can I just say about that, um, about Leslie's goal and watching Leslie in this tournament? Um, I do feel for her because I think that teams have kind of worked out the fact that they want to close us down and not give us any time to get on the ball in the midfield and turn. I saw a lot of, especially yesterday, again, there's a lot of, balls that went into the midfield where I thought there was opportunities for Ella Toon to turn, maybe for Kira to turn. I think Georgia Stanway, I thought Georgia Stanway was, for me, I thought she's our player of the match for me. I, I, I just, the way I watched, the way she went about her business. I thought that we didn't turn enough um, in the midfield when we had the time. And with our goal, our goal came from a kind of move where we were able to get it through the line and into to Leslie. And what I was pleased about with Leslie scoring is she's done a lot of work outside the box. She's not had a lot of opportunities like she had last night. I would love to see us push another five yards up the pitch, but teams are stopping us probably for this reason. Um, is Because if we get in and around the edge of the box, then the way she took that chance, you know what I mean? I was right on that angle as well. I was like saying, just hit it through, hit it through that keeper, hit it right in there, Les. And she done it. And what it said to me is she's got, she can have that ruthless half chance kind of like vibe about her, which I was really pleased she took. She hasn't had too many where I'm thinking, oh, she should have done well. I thought we should have scored in the first half. Probably should have scored two in the first half. But for me, for her to take that one at that stage of the game and the way she took it was so for me fulfilling not only for me but for her I'd say simply because I think she's done a lot of work that she's 
I don't think is to her to her best interest. She's doing a lot of work outside the box. We need to find a way to keep her in and around the box so then she could do stuff and be elusive and get her shot on target and start. I don't think that she's being used as well as she could be. Jesse, you you've written already about the in this tournament about how England's defense has been their most important weapon. They were absolutely immense last night. Alex Greenwood, Millie Bright, Jess Carter. You know, Lucy Bronze had a slightly shaky start, but I think, you know, having Carter behind her just gives her a bit more confidence and, and reassurance. But, oh my God, they were, and Earps as well, you know, they were so good last night as a unit. Listen, the greatest compliment I can give Jess Carter, at least, is that they had to move Linda Caicedo to the other side to try and give her the opportunity to get on the ball. And that's like exactly what you wanted basically to happen um yeah I I totally agree with with right in terms of that moment when she did spin in behind the first time but it felt like that was the one occasion where Lucy Bronze and Jess Carter like they got there was like a miscommunication and Bronze goes for the ball and that like puts Carter off like she's she's already behind at that point um and it felt like from then on it was like Jess was like okay Lucy like stay away like this is for me to deal with um and I thought she dealt with it so well um she showed exactly why like she's fought like that's why Lauren Hemp said she was the hardest defender to play against in the WSL it's exactly that kind of like um ability uh but yeah I thought Alex Greenwood was was amazing as well my only slight concern is still is it would be Rachel Daly to be honest I thought there were a number of occasions whereby she left us exposed she left the back free exposed and there's there's a kind of extent whereby I don't really understand what she's meant to be doing in this role because it feels like notionally if you're playing her at wing back you'd expect her to get up the, the pitch a lot more and kind of leave stuff for Greenwood. But it doesn't really feel like she's doing that. I mean, her shot, the shot she had in the first half that, that almost went in was a great example, I guess, of what you want her to do. You want her to be sort of on the edge of the area and being that threat. But I don't really feel like we've seen enough of that. And then it feels like defensively, she's not really offering enough to justify being there. I mean, I don't think we're going to see her drop out the team at this point, but that's just something that makes me feel a little bit unsettled still about this defence. Yeah, yeah. That's To be honest, the, the defence, again, yeah, they were brilliant. Millie Brown, it's just, I literally, I can't actually even, I won't even, I can't envisage her not being amongst it. She does some, I thought that the way she dealt with that Ramirez as well, every time she got into a situation where she might get into a, linking player Millie was just on her Alex Alex Green in and around just like making it more difficult um for her to just be as comfortable as she wants to be I thought again the way we adapted to another like situation where they, they kind of have like um Uzme and Caicedo further up forward and then they have Santos and Ramirez just behind, and then Ramirez would drift to the right, and then Uzme would drop out, then Ramirez would come, to, so there's a lot of fluidity in the way they were playing, but we we dealt with that. We dealt with that really well in the way that they were trying to attack us. And for a team that's got so much individual ability in Colombia, apart from that one blast, what Linda Caicedo done on Jess, you're right, um, Jesse, she, we kind of like shut her down. She didn't do much. We 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 done exactly. How, we played her exactly how we should. When she's getting going, Fowler stop her. I'm I'm just so pleased in the way that again we we're showing how we can deal with this tournament football. <clears throat> and like Jess said, we we you know we 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 are getting better because 
I feel confident. I felt confident even when we was one nil down. I was disappointed in the goal. I just felt confident in the uh, mentality because I tell you what, it's fucking loud in there, man. Every single thing that the Colombians done, even if it was a pass to each other, they turned around and went past someone. It was a massive cheer in the audience. And I think that mentally, our girls showed so much mental strength in the fact that, listen, like you said, Flo, we're not going to panic. Let's just keep playing. And then obviously their goalkeeper made that mistake, brought us in the game. And it was a beautiful time to score. Anytime's a great time to score. But in respects of just before the halftime, and so we went in on a little bit of a high with the fact that we didn't panic. We kept in the game. We kind of quelled their threats a bit. And, you know, we came out in the second half and just looked really good. I love us. I love us. That's why I said to him, but I love you so much, Lauren. <laughs> Jesse, what's the what's the elite stat as well about England and their semi-final run now? I know you were ready to tweet it, but you didn't want to jinx it. So we were sitting on it in the stands a little <laughs> I bit. Didn't, I didn't type it out before, but it's just that England are the only team to have reached the semi-finals at the 2015, 2019 and 2023 World Cups. And I wrote in my piece after the game that you know, for all there's been a focus on England, like post Euros and and what that's allowed them to do. And that, you know, now they're sort of really favourites and really part of the league. I think it's also important to say that like, this is a squad that's been building up to these kinds of like clutch moments in tournaments for a really long time now, you know, by being the only team to have done that, to be the only team to sort of consistently be able to make the latter stages, you know, it shows that, that they've, they've got that experience within them as a squad. And obviously until they go kind of one step further and reach the final and then go on and win, it won't be seen in, in quite the same way. But I think it's it's really fascinating to think about because the other things that you can put in there as well is they reach semifinals and obviously both Euros um, in that time as well. So every international competition they've played since 2015, they've made the semifinals of. Um, I just think it's testament to like what the FA have done in terms of like turning around the, the programme they've got and... Obviously, there's been some like strange manager choices in that time. I don't think there's any doubt that this is the best manager we've had. But I think in terms of like developing talent and putting players in a position to go and consistently play at the highest level in international tournaments is something that's like to me at least felt overlooked, maybe because of the Euros win. Everyone wants to focus on that. And obviously, that's been a fantastic stepping stone. But this isn't something that's happened in the past year. This is something that's happened over a long time. You know what I would say as well, now that you've mentioned the FA there, Jess, and rightly so, they have done magnificently in the way that they have um, looked after the girls up to this point. But I have to say, when you when you you just like lay out exactly what these ladies, what the England girls have done from that time to now, for them to have gone into a tournament where they are not asking, like I say, they're not making these demands what are just like outlandish and like, you know, you know, just like, out of order in respects of being greedy. The fact is they're asking for incentivized bonuses with a team that, again, what we saw last night, are delivering. A team that know their worth. I think it's a, it's a real, for me, it's a, from the FA's point of view, I'm really disappointed that it's had to go to <clears throat> the lengths of them, okay, we'll discuss it afterwards because they should show faith in this team. What this team has done, they should show faith. They should say, yes, we will do that. We will incentivize. They want incentivized bonuses. They don't want more of any, just if we can get to this stage and that, can we be, yes. And they said no. And they've said no up to this point. That disappoints me, especially when how you just laid out exactly what the England women have done for the last few years. It's, it's, I'm quite embarrassed about that. 
No, agreed. Um, I also want to talk quickly about the kind of elephant in the room when it comes to Serena Bingman's substitutions. Because again, last night, we saw them come so, so late when I think they did need to come earlier because we saw some tired legs. It was a, a yes. grueling match. Why do we think she's been so stubborn with it? She's not the only manager, but but why is she really just trying to stick with that initial game plan and, and re- so reluctant to change things up? I Jess, you're gonna have to ask Jess because Jesse, have you got have you got a theory? I, honestly, Jess, <laughs> I haven't got a clue because I'm thinking saying, why why don't we change something? Why did Chloe Kelly come on earlier? You know, and it, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. In I was so deep in it. I'm not thinking like that. I've I probably I got too lost in it, Jess. My theory is fairly basic. It's that she she doesn't really know what she wants to like change aside from the starting 11. And I think having changed the starting 11 up so much throughout this tournament, she's then reluctant to change it more in game. I think we're seeing the sort of sketches of, of changes throughout this tournament. I think clearly the decision to swap out Hemp and Rousseau for Kelly and Beth England mm. feels like that's sort of the direction we're moving in. Obviously, yeah. whether we'll really see that play out is going to depend. You know, everything's so game state based at this point. Um, but I'm surprised as well that we've not really seen Neve Charles at points. Like, I don't yes. think she looked great when she came on against China. But again, it's just someone who's going to run for you, like up and down the wing. You've got Rachel Daly and Lucy Bronze on, on either side there. And Charles can play in either position and she's just someone who's going to have that extra burst of energy Mm. with two players who, listen, like they are a bit older. They're not necessarily going to be able to run and run, especially when they've played 120 minutes of the game before. Um, So yeah, I think, I think for her, it's an uncertainty thing. I think she doesn't, she doesn't trust as much the players um, who who are coming off the bench in the way that maybe she did the Euros. I think just because of the preparation and um, the, the the problems that they've had in tournament with having to shift stuff around. But it is surprising. I think the thing that I found most surprising last night as well was when she took Alessia off for Kelly mm. and then didn't bring on Beth England for a while. Yeah. And it was immediately clear how much we really needed someone to, to hold, hold the, the ball, ball up yes. there. And yeah. having Hemp and Kelly as your front two just wasn't working. Yeah. As soon as Beth England came on, I just felt like I breathed a sigh of relief and actually Immediately, we were sort of in and around their penalty area again. Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see if any of that stuff sort of like solidifies in, in the semi-final. I think that, um, with the Beth England, you see me tw- um, message her a few times, Flo, about I would probably give her, I'd probably, you know, I'm so pleased that Leslie scored her goal. Of course I am. But I'd give her, the, I'd, I'd get Beth England on because of the, what she does there. Because I think that our problem, one of our main problems I do think that we don't turn quick enough in the midfield and pass it forward. Um, sometimes we pass backwards too quickly. But I just feel that Beth England in that in that scenario will be stronger and hold it better and bring the team up towards her a little bit more. I, I think that that is something that she can do a lot earlier in the in in the game if she wants to make one of those substitutions. What I think, yeah, that that makes sense to me because, like you rightly say, Jess, to have Chloe and Lauren up front as two like real pacey players with not the body strength to, to do the linking of the play when we need linking of the play at that stage to keep the ball up that end of the field. It, that one, that one kind of baffles me a bit. Mm. I think that she should be our first substitution, if anything. Yeah. Beth England. Yeah. I, I think last night it was just, it, yeah, it just felt like the team was screaming for a bit of help in those moments. And mm. we, you talked about Russo being, you know, having to work so hard defensively that she's not mm. getting those areas. And that that's exactly 
what you pay the price for physically. Yeah. Um, yeah. Ian, we've got to let you go because we've got a busy day. Nice. You're, we're going off on some kind of boat trip, aren't we? So Yeah, man, we're going on a boat trip. We're doing stuff here. We're doing stuff. We're That's booked what... and busy. We've got a tight booked schedule. Busy, um, we're booked and busy. Jesse and I are going to... What's Jesse doing? Jesse, what are you doing? You were meant to be doing a run, but I don't think it's happening now. I know. I was meant to be run doing city to surf, but I've been too We're ill. We're all ill, so. Ian. Oh. We're all sick. But I'm better now. I'm better now. Jet, you got jet lag sickness. Yeah. Um, no, oh. you know what? I mean, you know I've what? been here for three no, weeks, no, no. so I hope not. Do you know what I've got? Do you know what I've got, guys? What? Just got what? a bad case of World Cup fever, baby. World Cup fever. They haven't got it there. World Cup <laughs> fever, baby. That, I'm going to go, but like, they're just sitting in that green seat. They're missing out on stuff. <laughs> yes. Yes. This is why I'm so pleased we all came. My God, this is brilliant. Listen, yeah. I'll speak to you soon. All right, speak to I'm you later. To do more stuff. All right, we'll see you later. Love you, Bo. Love you. Right, Jesse, England will be facing Australia in the semi-final next week. It's probably the neutrals. Well, depending who, which neutrals you are. But it like when this tournament was drawn out, this was probably one of the most exciting semi-finals there could have been. We've got it. But let's foc- focus on the hosts first because, damn, that penalty shootout, the longest one in World Cup history, men's or women's. We had people around the world, people on flights, for God's sake, watching that. It just went on and on and on. It was wild. It was such an insane way for the game to end. It did just go on and on and on. Um, it wasn't very useful if you were trying to get to the England game, uh, as as we were. But um, yeah, it was amazing. It felt like one of those real moments where you really appreciate being in, in uh, the host country. Because I know you were obviously watching like outside the, the ground on the big screens. But we decided, because we only flew into Sydney quite late, we decided to get a cab after the end of extra time and so we were watching them in the cab but you know we got out of the cab at the ground and then all of these people were bunched around different phones and you could hear this like like cacophony of different like screams and shrieks as like each phone got the penalties at different times um and it was crazy obviously like we were at a football match but it did feel like everyone was watching when you saw the videos of the flights and stuff um but yeah Mackenzie Arnold man what a woman True WSL heritage, I feel like this penalty shootout was. Mackenzie Arnold saving twice from Kenza Darley. Love that. Yeah, Mackenzie Arnold, uh, unfortunately missing her pen, but but saving so many is pure Conti Cup heritage because real ones know that Macca scored the winning penalty in West Ham's Conti Cup group stage game against Can't Remember, but it wasn't streamed, so we didn't know what happened. And Brighton, they, I believe. Was it Brighton? Then Kate assured us that Macca is not only elite at saving pens, but also elite at taking pens. And to be honest, her pen was pretty good. Like, I, I forgive people's pens who bounce off the post because you're going for the bottom corner and you, you back yourself. Um what was really hard about watching the pens outside the stadium was the screens that they'd set up, thank you, local government, but they were quite small. And so you couldn't really You've see. You've been here for one week and you're moaning already. <laughs> Not even a week, about three days. Um, <laughs> so it was really hard to see what if once the ball had hit the back of the net, it essentially made it look like every single penalty had been saved. So it was so stressful. I would, me and my friends, this old man, this adorable old man didn't want to watch with his family. He wanted to watch with us. And he was like, guys, I'm so nervous. I'm so nervous, guys. And he was like, please, like, this, this is so stressful. And I was like, don't worry, sir. We've got you. It's going to be okay. Um, 
And it was, I think it would have been really crap to see the hosts fall out at that stage. And I feel like everyone was backing them. It was also so funny because so many people were in Matilda shirts. It, it almost like the next game just became this like celebration party rather than England match. Obviously, we know the Columbia fans are elite, but um, yeah, it was, it was, it was like slightly strange for the next one. But let's talk about Australia's performance specifically. Uh, they are the first host to make the semi-finals since 2003, which feels crazy, but. I suppose France were probably the ones who were expected to get that far in the most recent kind of history of World Cup hosts. But it wasn't the best performance from Australia. I think maybe on the balance of play, France were the better team, especially in those first 10 minutes. But Australia certainly grew into the game in the second, in, in the in the latter stage of the first half, managed to create a little bit more. Um, but I think they were, like, as the game grew on, I was starting to get very nervous about the fact that Australia weren't burying their chances and the whole game took a slightly ominous feel like, is this going to be, for me, I was watching it, kept thinking France are getting a late winner here. That is how this game is panning out. Yeah. I think what made it such a good game is that there were those like 10, 15 minute chunks where each team was on top. As you say, like France started well, Australia came into it at the start of the first half, felt like they had some really good chances at the start of the second half as well. And then equally France came back in you know I think the Vicky Bechet sub was really crucial for France sort of like livening up and it did have a moment I think I saw uh Yash one of the the stats guys on Twitter tweeting like this has got Wendy Renard header like written all over it genuinely almost sort of did uh, with that sort of bizarre Alana Kennedy and goal that looked like Renard was involved and then was ruled out because it was never a corner anyway but that wasn't why they ruled it out um (laughs) but I think I enjoyed that because my initial thoughts was that when two teams play in two four four twos against each other, it can be so dull. You really did see that, like at the start of the mm-hmm. game. I think I think both teams found it so easy to sort of block what the other one wanted to do in t- in possession. Fortunately, both defenses have their own like chaos agents sprinkled within them. Paulina Peyroy Manion was like leading the way for the French. Um, the Australians, it was probably Alana Kennedy again. Um, but, you know, like, it's nice of those girls to bring the extra entertainment when the tactics, like, can't quite be up to it, you know? Um, but, yeah, I was texting I was texting you, like, Alana Kennedy just gives me the heebie-jeebies. And I was really worried she was going to have to take a pen and that was going to be the story and the narrative. But, thankfully, it didn't happen. If Alana Kennedy had scored a penalty, wow, I would love that. Um <laughs> Yeah, and obviously, like so many of those tra- Australia chances fell to Mary Fowler, and you you feel like if Sam Kerr had been fit and played the full match, and some of those chances had fallen to Sam, I think Australia would have scored. Um, there were just a couple of occasions where it felt like Mary Fowler just didn't quite have the finesse, shall we say, to maybe you know curl mm. or curl a shot or, or hit a shot onto the top of the net rather than sort of hitting it straight at Pedro Mannion. Um, but you know, I think. Fowler had a really good game. Like it was a classic case of like if you're in the position to be getting that many chances, you're doing something right. Um, and I think when Sam came on, even though she wasn't fully fit, she did sort of change the game and give the French something to think about. But neither side really made any substitutions. And I think as the game went on, it was just so many tired legs. Yeah, I, I, the, the substitution situation at this World Cup has been baffling. But another game where we saw managers really try and hold out. I was really surprised Courtney Vine didn't come on so much earlier because she's a player with the legs. Like that's her, you know, USP. And you think, okay, 
Tony Gustafsson look to that player now and utilise that speed on tired French legs. But he opted not to. He went, I guess, with the safer option to keep the way Australia playing, whether it was to ride it out to extra time or felt like that group could get get a winner. But it was like definitely questionable. Um, I think it was funny, though, that the only uh, the only sub that we did see well, not the only one, but one of the big, one of the most important subs we saw was a classic bringing the keeper on for penalties with Celine Durand coming on uh, for uh, Penal Manyan. Were you like, is she is she known for pens? She plays with Sassuolo. It like she did okay, but like there were a few ones which she could have saved that she didn't. I am not going to sit here and pretend that I have watched a single minute of Durand play football in the past. Uh, <laughs> we were literally like while we were watching the game we were like who are France's like second and third keepers and I was like I knew like Mylene Travers is normally around but I was like I've got no clue um, I think the thing is it, with the goalie right that you're kind of you're in a, in a good position because I do think like if you make one save which you did um, more than one save uh, then you've kind of like shown your worth um, obviously it's frustrating that they didn't then go and win, you know, but I'm sure it's something they'll have like talked about and planned. Um, and ultimately I do think them not winning had a lot more almost to do with Mackenzie Arnold being so good in goal um, slash the French penalties being bad. Um, it was fun. I was more surprised by the decision to only bring Eve Perisay on right at that moment, because I think we've repeatedly seen how hard you know across recent tournaments how hard it is to come on without having had a touch and score a penalty you know I know like Christy Mewis is flying the flag for the one minute played one penalty scored crew um (laughs) but like obviously as England fans we've got great experience in the bringing someone on for penalties and then they're missing and Perisette just felt like a player who could have come on a lot earlier in the game like it it wasn't like I know the Australians were talking about maybe bringing Kaya Simon on for example and she's like obviously not fit so you can understand why you'd only bring her on for a penalty, but like Parasite, I think could have done a good job. Um, so I actually thought that was like more of the mistake was to, if you've got someone who you feel like is a specialist penalty taker and you could put them on for the last sort of 10, 15 minutes, that, that seemed like a weird decision not to. We've got to talk about Sam Kerr as well. We said after the previous game, we only saw 10 minutes, but she didn't look right, but it's hard to tell. She definitely didn't look right yesterday. And watching her step up to take that penalty was awful. You could see in her eyes the pressure. It was, yeah, I just felt sick watching it and I was very nervous. She got the job done, but I, Jessie, it doesn't fill me with tons of hope that she's fit enough to start against England, which obviously from an England perspective is, woo. But yeah, I, I don't I don't know what leg she has in this tournament. From a Jessie Parker Humphreys perspective, I'm also sad because I really want to watch Sam Kerr and Millie Bright lead their teams out together. That feels like Aww. what I personally deserve from this World Cup. Um, I agree, I don't think she looks fit. But that being said, I actually think you you could still see how much she offered that Australian team, even without the running. Because that was basically what we I felt like we were really lacking from her game. There were lots of moments whereby she was receiving the ball on the edge of the area and she was turning to pass across the area. Some of the passes were really good. Um, and there were some like really nice moves that I thought was a shame people didn't really latch on to. But, you know, I think a different sound we'd see maybe sort of turn and make the run in. Um, well, that being said, maybe I'm reading a bit too much into it because she is a very unselfish player in that sense. Um, 
But, you know, even in moments early on when she was coming on, you'd see Elise Almeida, who was playing a right back, meant to be marking Caitlin Ford, suddenly coming across to try and stop Sam Kerr getting her head on the ball. And she did offer the Australians this opportunity to sort of put the ball into her chest, into her head and to turn and have those runners behind. I think, as you've pointed out, the problem almost with this was, was that if you wanted to do that, you needed someone like Courtney Vine or someone to give the fresh legs to make those runs because Rasso and Ford just looked totally tanked, I thought, by that point. Um, so it was almost like I felt like Sam did her bit, but through no fault of her own or anyone else in the team's own, the personnel weren't really there then to make the most of it. Um, I feel like, given what she's shown, though, the Matildas, I think, look like a better team with her, but I think they've also shown mm-hmm. throughout this tournament that they don't need her. So I think if you're in a position to say, okay, she comes on at 60 minutes, then I think that's kind of fine. I mean, obviously it's disappointing, but I think that's quite a like n- nice switch up in a team which we've seen doesn't seem to have a whole lot of like tactical or personnel changes within it you know and it feels like almost they've created a super sub out of a starter which they wouldn't have wanted but isn't necessarily a bad thing you're true you you, know you're you're right you're right um I think if you've got a a roll of the dice to bring on Sam Kerr is a hell of a roll of the dice but what I would say is a not fully fit Sam Kerr is that does it have the same impact? I mean, yeah, you can see those bright sparks, but I just I don't know, and I and I worry about I worry about if if they their game if in the England game would go go to pens. I don't fancy Australia in those moments. But what is important and what matters right now is the fact that they've got to their first ever World Cup semi final, and that is huge for them. Given I think they are punching above their, their their weight a little bit. You know, that look at the squads and the depth that that other teams that have had in this competition and have fallen. Uh, I think Australia should be really proud of where they've got to now. They've had the host nation boost, but think think about the fact that they've done all this without really needing Sam Kerr. I don't think at the start of the first game when she dropped out, we would have thought they could have got this far without them, which is pretty incredible, right? Yeah, and I think it's testament to something that I feel like the Matildas, well, I'm glad that they've shown that they knew it and that that is that they're a team. And, you know, I think obviously watching Sam a lot at Chelsea, whereby she is also the star, but, you know, maybe in a slightly different context. I think she's really a player who constantly emphasizes that it's not really about her and it is about the team and in a funny way I feel like this has been almost an amazing like opportunity for the Matildas to to show that as well and for sort of like new heroes to be created and I think you know you're right to say that they're punching above their weight I think they've shown that they're a really well organized team and I think they've shown that they have that kind of funny thing it's silly just to compare like sort of where people play and stuff but when you look at what sort of club level players are at, okay, there's like lots of like very good players in there, but there's also a lot of players, you know, playing in quite random places or not getting minutes, you know, like Hayley Rasso, like barely started for City. Um, Obviously she's had injury issues, but like when fully fit, we knew she wouldn't start for City. Um, You've got sort of the like great Swedish duo in terms of KCC and Gori, Claire Hunt, who's like on her like eighth cap for Australia. And I thought she was incredible last night. Um, I thought that was like her performance of the tournament. I think I thought she did so well with Diani to keep her quiet. Um, but they just look so well organized and it's sort of that like 
that combination of having a good chunk of players, this sort of golden generation who played together for years and years, um, like an exciting set of younger players, uh, all of whom feel like no, they know each other really well and they just, they really feel like a solid team on and off the pitch. Yeah, it's going to be a massive semi-final on Wednesday the 16th. We will, of course, be there at Stadium Australia. And uh, yeah, can't wait. Very nervous, but it's going to be packed. The Aussies are going to be coming out in full force. We will be back with our next podcast after the first semi-final on Tuesday the 15th. We're going to be recording after both semi-finals and then doing a preview ahead of the final on Sunday the 20th. So enjoy the head loss, Australia fans. Enjoy the head loss, England fans. Enjoy the head loss, if you can, with everything else going on, Spain fans. And of course, enjoy the head loss, Sweden fans. We'll see you all soon.